Hey, this is Bob Rock, and I'm on Focus on Metal, and hope you guys out there are rocking. Hey, Metalhead, Scott here. And Richie again. And uh, we've been teasing this for, uh, I don't know, four months now or so. But we finally decided that, you know, we have to do it this year. So we're getting it in just under the wire. Last show of the year. Okay, more like first show of 2022. But, you know, we had to fit that Queensryche deal in. Everything moved up one week. And so, yeah, we recorded this right before the end of the year. thought it was going to be the last one. What are you going to do? It's a free show, right? So just go in the middle Wayback Machine and pretend that this is uh, one week ago. We're actually going to have a, just a bit of a discussion about the Black Album. 30 years. 30 years, yep. Can you fucking believe that? It's, you know, it's amazing. I, you know, I kind of, it's one of these ones where I went back and I was like, you know, a lot of stuff was going on then. Um, I was playing out a crap load at that point, and I was like, okay, you know, what else came out, like, in 91? Use Your Illusion. Yeah, that's right. So, Use Your Illusion, right? Pearl Jam's 10 came out. So, Soundgarden. Uh, Bad, Bad Motor Finger came out, that's right. Um, obviously, the, the, the Hair Killer, Nevermind, came out in September. Red Hot um, Chili Peppers, was that out? Blood, Sex, Sugar, Magic, I believe, is 91. Yep. Um, Nevermind. We're and, not doing a metal show anymore. <laughs> and, and, well, Slave to the Grind. So Slave to the Grind came out in June. So you figure Black Album came out October. Also, uh, Overkill's Horoscope, September. Oh. Came out. And, you know, uh, Anthrax, they rolled out uh, Bring the Noise okay. that summer as well. Okay. And um, just even on the other side of it, uh, Sabotage with uh, Streets. Angel Dust must have been out. Faint No More. Is that 91? Uh, I don't remember. I think you're right, though. Okay. But, I mean, pretty pretty large variety of stuff. But also, you know, I was looking through, and it was interesting, because a lot of albums from a lot of kind of the death metal were coming out as well. You know, like Death put out an album, and there was, you know, a bunch of those bands, too. It didn't seem like as much, like, thrash coming out, but it was. it's amazing if you think about... If you were to ask someone, I don't think people would, would be able to tell you that an album like the Black Album came out the same year as Nirvana's Nevermind or Pearl Jam's 10, which mm. are two, these kind of like, and even the Bad Motor Finger, which is also, you know, so you got these kind of more of that, a lot of those big initial grunge albums coming out Face the same Lift. year that Face the Black Lift Album comes out. Alice in Chains? Mm, I don't remember if, when that one came out. It might have been. Okay. I'm not, I don't remember, but okay. it's just, it's weird to think that this album came out at that time. And it also kind of makes you think a little bit about how you look at that scene. I mean, obviously, you know, we talk about, oh, you know, Nirvana comes out, that kills like all the bands that were on MTV and all that. and But yet you still have this huge, actually huge and growing audience for Metallica. You know, I mean, this this album, if you compare the sales of this album compared to Justice, um, there's there's no comparison. I mean, this album Eventually, is, yes. Eventually. Uh, yes, eventually, but it's still not to the, to you know, this thing's 15 times platinum. I mean, this, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't even come in the same category. Yeah. yeah I mean, let's put it in a different way. There's only one Beatles album that has sold more than this. The White Album? No, Sgt. Pepper's. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it that way, like, holy crap, you know? Um, and, and, Where's and this ca- all time? Is it in the top 10? Top 20? Must be top 20. It's, yes, I believe it's within the top 20, because it's like, what, th- they're saying it's 16 31 million? Um, I think what one is, I believe one number one is Thriller, and then number two is another album that's black. Black and black. Back and black, yeah. Um, and then up there you've got... Um, Boston. 
No, it's not up there on that top one. You've got things like Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Journey's Greatest Hits. Um, nope. You've got uh, the Eagles, Hotel California, you know, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Ugh. There's a lot of big hitters that are up there. <laughs> um, and this, and and then this one, so that's kind of the 40-plus million category. And then this comes in at the, you know, the the 20 to to 40 tranche of albums okay so it's huge and um but it's you know i just i you know i i thought about it a lot with um just you know overall i i know that a lot of metallica fans including you know jay who was on the show for a number of years you know he felt he was one of those people who felt betrayed by this album that you know, you had all these, it was really thrashy, and then this is really not thrash at all. And I and I think, you know, he was like, what the hell? You know, like, they, they betrayed that, and, we, and then we have all kind of the new non-fans who are grabbing onto it and all that. And, and it's kind of like, yeah, I can kind of see that. But then, you know, especially with the anniversary, I just, I was just really thinking about, like, you know how valid that is and how valid the idea that the band deviated from what they were really true about and stuff like that and i i yes the album is different but i don't think they deviated from from anything if you listen to this album and then you put on anything from uh you know like thing songs like you know am i evil or you know any of the diamond head stuff well this has got roots in Diamond Head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's verse, chorus, it's simple riffs, Black Sabbath, same deal. Uh, so I don't think they're turning their back on on that. I think what they did is they, so first I look at it as, and we and if you want to kind of hear everything we talk about with Master of Puppets, you can go back to the episode 300 and 301. But, you know, you get 300, uh, you get Master of Puppets and, I think there's there's an album where they have they've really you can see the progression and that they have grown. Then you get to Justice and you're and you're missing an element. You're missing Cliff. Mm-hmm. I stand by I don't think Justice would have been the album that they made had Cliff still been in the band. Because I think they took all of the stuff that they did on Master and they equated that to Part after part after part after part after frickin' part, and and without Cliff there to go, what are you doing? They made an album that has these long songs, twists and turns, all these parts, and it certainly is. It's not as cohesive and approachable. And I almost feel like if Justice hadn't come between Master and Black Album. This initial acceptance of the hardcore Metallica fans, it would have been accepted much more. I think it would have, it would have, in the timeline, the canon of what they were doing, I think it would fit better. Maybe. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I posted on Facebook because I do a lot of the anniversary stuff. Yeah. Albums, birthdays, whatever. So I've been posting a lot of any albums are have an anniversary for a certification. Yeah. And I posted that the Black Album was gone 15 times platinum and it was such a date in November and Mm -hmm. such a year. And I went back today because I knew we were going to do this and I I looked at the comments. Yeah. Okay. Now, a lot of... um, There's a lot of posts that I put up and they get shared a lot and a lot of people see them and they go to a lot of places and I think... That post had been seen, I think, now by over 100,000 people. Mm -hmm. And it had, well, 100, 150 comments or something like that. And God knows how many shares. Uh Like some of the posts I put in, they just blow up. Sure, yeah. So I looked at some of the comments and I said, right, I'm not going to read them all, but I'm going to write some of them down. Uh Um, And this will give you an, an appreciation, and I use that word, loosely, um, of what a lot of people think of that record and how polarizing it is. It is right? polarizing, yeah. Okay, so this is just some of the comments. I, I think I wrote about 10 of them down, uh-huh. and I'm going to read them all out, and I didn't put the person's names down, yeah. right? 
And I think a lot of these comments are going to give us a lot of areas to talk about when it comes to this wreck. Uh-huh. A lot of things to talk yeah. about. Right. Metallica died when Cliff died was one. Uh-huh. Okay. Sell out mainstream crap. The <laughs> Justice album was the last great work for Metallica. Okay? Yeah. Next one. The Black Album, the starting point of pure rubbish till this day. A slap in the face of real metal fans. Next one. <laughs> the album that ruined them. Everyone who hated them before this just came out are now fake fans. Huh. Right? Huh. Ne- next one. It was the album for me that opened the door to Metallica. Yeah. The next one. Their best album by a country mile. Next one. Bob Rock wasn't the right producer for this album, but he helped make each member a multi-millionaire. Next one. Crap sells and idiots are buying. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these are very clever. Yeah, Next one. one. Masterpiece. Next one. What a great album. They evolved when at the time metal was becoming nostalgic. Don't think they would still be around today had they not had the balls to do it. Hmm. Right? Next one. One album that changed my life. Next comment. Worst album ever. <laughs> right? And this is, I think, the balanced comment. And I'm, it's probably one of the few that is actually in it that's pretty balanced. Uh-huh. And I looked at that one and I went, yeah. You know, because th- so, the others are so polarizing. Best album ever, worst mm-hmm. album ever. Yep. So this one is, bitch, bitch, bitch. I guess some people thought they wouldn't just repeat the first four albums indefinitely. One of the things that make Metallica one of my favorite bands is their deep and varied catalog. Some days I might be in the mood to listen to Master, others kill them all or reload, and one of them might sound like the best thing they've done in that moment, but the next day I'm in the mood for something else. Mm-hmm. That's a balanced comment. Uh huh. Yep. And 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 actually, that is, I've I've experienced that, and I think, I think Jay and I did a show once where we went back and revisited. I want to say Death Magnetic because initially on that listening, it was kind of like, yeah. And then I listened, you know, at a different time, and it was like, oh yeah, okay, I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. No, I don't like that one. And and it, I had a I, I had a different view of that album um yes that's a good comment hmm. so you already touched on it the cliff one hmm. okay at the time when cliff died yeah he was probably the one with the most eclectic musical tastes of any of the guys in the band he well he was I'm, an re- he was an rem fan really I, early on I wouldn't say he was the one with the most eclectic taste it may, may be true I, I would more put it that he was the one who was more willing to admit that he had different taste in music where um, you know Lars had heard a lot of stuff James not as much. But, you know, we now know that, yep, he's been listening to some country and Western and things like that as well. Um, but I think Cliff was more always that free spirit. Uh, and, and also, when you think about some of the other people he played with and that are still around in the scene today, they all have that same kind of thing, too, where they've just, they're, they're all over the place musically and they kind of accept everything. But I think Cliff was just more willing to go, you know, for your example, yeah, I like R.E.M. I can deal with it. You know, where where... Um, you know, everybody else was just more like, it's got to be this and that's it, period, end of story. We don't want to talk about it, you know? I don't know about that. James's picture with a Fate No More t-shirt on the back of the Garage Days album, the EP. Mm -hmm. So they're they're pretty eclectic. Uh, They're not a metal band. No, they're not, but they're kind of Cliff's friends. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) From the same area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've all these people say, you know, and funny thing is I actually asked Joel MacGyver this because he wrote a book on Metallica and a book on Cliff Burton. Um, where do you think the band would have gone mm-hmm. had, he, uh, had he lived? And he kind of speculated that they probably would have gone in a more, mainstream is the wrong word, but 
they would have tried more. They wouldn't have been limited to mm-hmm. to uh, to the style that they were doing. That yeah, they, they would have evolved into something else, and that Cliff was for a lot of people when they talk about Cliff, he was the uh, you know the, 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 he's not, he wasn't the leader of the band like vocally when it came to interviews and stuff yeah. like that, but. You know, when Cliff spoke to the band, the band listened to what he yeah. said. Yeah, and I mean, if you and if you if you look and you figure, okay, this is, you know, this is still early in, right? When you hit the Black Album, but you figure, kill them all. Most of that stuff was written and was being hashed out before Cliff ever joined the band. Um, with Dave Mustaine, yeah, with Dave Mustaine, with with Ron. Obviously, you know, Cliff had some some influence on things because you can hear, you know, Cliff's bass style and things in there. Um, but the the bulk of those songs were already pretty much written. If And then you go to, to uh, Ride, where now you have Cliff is really ingrained in the band. He's bringing his influence. And they're also, and you also have the whole idea of what's going on over at Sweet Silence as well. So you bring all that in the mix. Um and you really get that um, more of, I'll call it the modern thrash kind of album. And they get a lot better sound than what they were getting on Kill 'Em All as well. Um, and then you get to to Master where they've been out on the road. They've seen a lot of stuff. They've matured as songwriters. They're still angry enough to write an angry album. And... Um, they're back. They're back with Sweet Silence again. They still have the same team, but now everybody knows each other as well, and they and they have a certain comfort level. And you, you know, you get you get Master of Puppets, you know. And I think I, I agree that that I think that they, you know, like I said earlier, I don't think Justice would have been the album that they would have made. Now we do know that. Some of that stuff was written or was being written while Chris, well, Chris, while Cliff was a rot, was alive, mm-hmm. um, but but not all of it. And I think that um, you know, and also part of it is that you know you, you got a band that's still grieving and not really knowing how emotionally to deal with that as well. So that's all coming in there and stuff. And I think what you get is, you know, my two cents is that. Lars just had this vision of this is what we're going to do. We're just going to keep, we're going to go in this direction. Um, and, you know, if you remember when, when Justice came out, you know, there were a lot of people that bashed the shit out of that album. Not me. You I, know? I, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. And, that and had a massive effect on me when I came and, out. and the typical thing was, you know, where's the bass, right? Um, still, still talk about, uh, all I have to do is put a post up about Justice. <laughs> And all these fucking guys, bass, where's the bass? You know, right. And the same thing, if you, you know, put up there Jason, with St. Anger, you're going to have trash can drums. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, but but it, it is it is different. And I think, and, and, you know, there's, you know, part of that too is the fact that, that, yeah, if you've, you know, with Cliff, Cliff was playing a lot of counterpoint, a lot of different things, what the rhythms were doing. Now you have Jason that came in and they're pretty much having him play well what James is playing. So now you've got two things in the in the same frequency range. Something's going to lose. Guess what? Jason loses. He's the new guy. Uh, but but you know, still, I don't think that's the album that they that they would have made. Would they have gone complete black album at that time? Either no, I don't think. I think it would have been an iteration off of Master. But I think that you know where everyone talks about, you know, you, you know a lot of the polarizing posts and and. You know, people are saying that, oh, you know, this is, you know, this isn't metal, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like, well, you know, why? Why do you not think that it's metal? What makes it not metal? Okay, it isn't tuned down like Sabbath did. They didn't start tuning down until load, but it's still riffs versus choruses. It's the same kind of song structure as a lot of the early Sabbath stuff. So is Sabbath not metal? When um, you know, and then again, I'll go back to my Diamond Head example again, too. Same thing. And, and a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal is is very much very simple structuring songs. Um, so are those any, you know, are those all of a sudden not metal? Like what makes this not metal? You know, okay, it, it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like Ride, but 
if if it's a developing band, sorry, but they're not going to keep doing you know eight albums that sound like Ride the Lightning. It's for one thing, it's going to be they're going to get bored shitless doing they're, it. When they did Justice, and the band even admitted it themselves. You had Kill 'Em All, and then you had the growth to Ride the Lightning, and mm-hmm. then you had the growth to Master of Puppets. The mm. songs were like there was more longer songs, yep. and then you had longer songs and more intricate songs on Justice. They had nowhere to go. Yeah, they really had nowhere to go. And I think what you have to factor in as well is the Q Prime as management. Yep. Right. Q Prime were one of the biggest management companies when it came to bands. They mm-hmm. had Leopard. They had Dokken. They had, who else did they have? They were some of the biggest names in metal and hard rock. Right. And management like that doesn't get hired by the band unless the band wants to be fucking huge. Sure. Right. So the band realized, right, Q Prime, we have an album, Justice, that probably went, what, three or four times platinum. Did really, really well for Mm -hmm. them. But they couldn't do make that same album again. Right. What were they going to do? Like 14-minute songs, 10,000 riffs, three-song album <laughs> kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, so, they, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, they made the stupid mistake of making the Black Album, but it sold 16 million in America. Um, it was, it was, a, was it a risk for them to, to, to change their sound like that? Yeah. Um but they had the support system around them and the belief in themselves to to go ahead and do it. Um, I've had people say to me that, you know, they blame Bob Rock. And I'm like, I don't know how you can blame Bob Rock for the Black Album at all. I mean, he I didn't, really he didn't write the songs. No. You know? But, but, what, he, but what he did do is is he did polish them. He did look at getting James to start to sing more melodically, which I think is probably where people are, you know, that vocal change. Okay, yeah, I got that. He, you know, allowed them to put some of the the more ballady stuff that's on there as well. I could have used less of but that. But there were ballads on, you see, this is the whole thing. Uh, Fade to Black, they were killed for doing Fade to Black on Ride the Lightning. Yeah. That's 1984. Yeah. Then they did Sanitarium on Master. Yeah. They did one on Justice. Right. Now, I know they're not all ballads from start to finish. Right. But when you put on Unforgiven, like the, ver- the verses in that are heavy. It's the choruses they are, but are, you know are what melodic. It is? But it's the, it's the, it's it's the, the, it's the vocal it. approach. Yeah. That, you know, and because and, you, you, get, you get the anger in the other songs. And... And here, yeah, it you know, yeah, it is radio friendly vocal approach. Yep, sure is. But, but like Bob Rock, we had Bob on. Yeah, and we we didn't really go into the Black Album with him. I think we went into it a little bit. But originally, he was heard. They asked him to mix it, mm-hmm. and then he decided that he wanted to produce it. And anyone who's seen the year and a half in the life of Metallica, any of those movies, when it came to actually suggesting stuff to James and Lars about their songs. They were fiercely protective of it. Like, they wouldn't change fucking anything. Oh, yeah. When it, when it was all said and done, I believe Bob was like, I never want to work with this band yeah, again. so for people to blame Bob Rock, they're just giving the band a pass. Uh-huh. This is something the band wanted to do. Yeah. Um, they wanted success. Um, I don't think they sold out, personally. Um, I, I think this album sounds amazing. I think what this album is is not—it's not a trash album, but it's not. I don't. Th- I think it's still a heavy, heavy record. Sure, it's not fast. See, this is what annoys people. I think um, you know it's not fast. But if you put Justice on, there's really only one trash song on that. Is Dyer's Eve the last mm-hmm. song? Yeah. A lot of the other songs on it are mid-tempo. Yep. You know, there might be fast parts in it. Right. But they're not trash songs. Like, trash, tr- a trash album to me, they're not, they're not like fucking Angel of Death or right. Rain and Blood or, right. or Exodus. Uh-huh. Right? Like, Metallica were from, from Ride the Lightning. Yeah. Were different to, that, to, to, mm-hmm. to a lot of those bands anyway. Yeah. They weren't going to do a full trash metal album. 
Yeah. They'd already done it with Kill 'em All. Yeah. And even on Kill 'em All there was variation on that. Mm-hmm. That a lot of the other bands didn't have. Yeah. Um I still think the Black Album sounds absolutely fucking amazing. Yeah, it does. It still sounds amazing. It does. It sounded yeah. amazing at the time. Um it you could hear Jason on it, which I thought was fantastic. Uh-huh. Um What were your first impressions when you heard it? So, you know, to me it was that it was the other it was the other side of metal. It was so I think the first thing I heard off of this would have been Sandman. I like the riff. So it's got that great slow riff and the build and it and it kinda plods. And I thought, well, you know, this is this is pretty cool. You know, you're not you, it's not thrash, but it was still it sounded heavy. You know, um, and it was weird because it sounded it, it almost sounded like it was down tuned because of kind of the, the speed and all that. But it but it wasn't. It was still standard E, um, but it just it just sounded good. And it was something you could immediately just kind of it, it hooked you, you know, and, and I thought, wow, this is this is this could be, you know, pretty cool. And then, you know, I think the next one they, t- they did after that, I think, was Sad But Truth. And so, again, the same kind of thing where. Um, just there was a power behind that one and you could just kind of feel the kind of the anger and the emotion on that one as well and I thought again oh this is this is this is really cool too Um, but you know when you listen to some of the other stuff on there you know I didn't Unforgiven uh, you know I wasn't really into wherever I roam I wasn't really into Um, really for me too I mean I flip flop going back to the comment of the of the day you you listen to it. I kind of flip flop between "Don't Tread on Me" and uh, "Holier Than Thou," and uh, usually I side on "Holier Than Thou" more than than anything else on there. As far as like that's that's a track I really like off of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it could be just I'll you know, given the day, it might just be like nope, I like the other one today better, kind of a thing. Um, but those like, actually stand out more to me than than any of the ones that got you know hit on the radio. Yeah, I bought that. I bought it the day it came out, and I remember it because I bought Crimson Glory, Strange and Beautiful the same day, and I played <laughs> Strange and Beautiful first. <laughs> Not because I didn't love Metallica. I just wanted to see what the Crimson Glory album was like because of the radical change that they like. People talk about the radical change Metallica made yeah. from Justice to the Black Album. The Strange and Beautiful album did fire the drummer, fire the guitar player. Yeah. Um, down to a four piece, took the masks off. Yeah. Um, you know, outside songwriters, saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I listened to that one first and I'd heard Sandman. Uh, I think I might have heard one more song other than that. I'm st- I was still living in Waterford at the time, town, town of about 50,000 people. So it, it wasn't like they were they were all over MTV like they were here. Right. Um, they were a reasonably big band, more in the U- UK. Um, I think the Justice album, I believe they played the Top Hat in Dunleary, which probably holds less than 1,000 people. Hmm. And over here, they were doing arenas yeah. by the end of the Justice tour. Mm-hmm. So that'll tell you the... You know the difference. Sure, the difference. Yeah, um, in their exposure. Um. Focus. You you're you're listening to some of the songs there. Um, I think the singles are they're like any album, any album that becomes big. They get overplayed and. Mm-hmm. I think a general thing that we haven't said yet is that, and I've experienced this, when when you're a metal fan and a band is small, you tend to latch on to them as being your band. Absolutely. And when they start to become mainstream, and this happened to me with one or two bands, um, I was the metal head in the family. And all of a sudden, my sister was into pop music, but she'd say, look, can I take this album all of a sudden then you look at the band and say I fucking hate you <laughs> right and I think that happened with Metallica um, 
you know, they'd all say, oh, yeah, the soccer mum started to love him. And, yeah. you know, people who loved, you know, Nirvana and the Chili Peppers and all that, all of a sudden they were now Metallica fans and the metal fans are beating their chest. I was fucking there in 83 <laughs> and ride the lightning, fight fire with fire. And, you know, this, yeah. is, the fu- this is the fucking real Metallica, you know, and it, you had a, I think you had a lot of that, yeah. especially on with this album. Oh yeah, more, more than Justice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Justice yeah. was big, but you could still say that Justice was for the, for the mainstream audience out there. That was a hard album to get, mm-hmm. you know, because it was so fucking intricate. A lot of it was heavy. Yeah, it, it it sounded so different to everything else. Now you had Bob Rock who did Doctor Feelgood. Mm-hmm. Um, big drum sound, things made for radio. Um, I think the longest songs on this are six minutes long. Justice, the, they had one video for one, which yeah. was nothing like any other video that was on on at the time. Yeah. And yeah. it was fucking eight minutes long. Uh-huh. Um, and now they come out with Enter Sandman, it's five minutes long. It's made for the radio. It sounds amazing. Yeah. And uh, I think the old school fans just went, I think a lot of them actually probably... They probably heard one or two songs and said, "You're dead to me now. You're done." Yeah. Um. You sold out. You've Bob Rock. You're on the fucking radio. You should never be on the radio. It's like it's like <laughs> they. How would I say it? It's like they resented the band actually getting big and having success at a different yeah. level than what they what the fans wanted them to have. Right. I think that's the way I'd put it. Yeah, and I mean, again, this is. You know, they wrote this album. This album, these songs came came out of their heads and their hearts. So, you know, it's 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 a Metallica album. And I think people forget too that I mean, this is this is their living. You know what I mean? This is how they're they're feeding themselves, they're feeding their family, they're feeding the beast that's management. You know, and and they're doing exactly what they what they sacrificed and starved to do. And you just can't say that they suck because they decided to do, you know, what they thought was legitimately what they wanted to do at that point. I think, you know, if if they had been outside songwriters and they were being told by Electra, you're going to do X, period. And then I think you could say they sold out. But they didn't. You, no, nobody told them they had to make this album this way. And and again, like you alluded to when you talk about, uh, you know, the year and a half documentary, you can see it. I mean, there and in fact, there's on the, the DVD in that box set, too, there's even more stuff that didn't make the cut of that documentary that are on there that you can see even more drag out crap that happened um, that they they fought all the way through this for exactly what they wanted um, in the end. Yeah. So you know, I, I I just don't see that. I don't see it as a sellout. I just see it as I can't even call it a natural progression because again, going back, you if, so you know, what do they all have on their walls? Right? They had Shanker. Well, Shanker wasn't thrash. Shanker wasn't kill 'em all. So you're coming up and you're looking at guitar players, you know, like Shanker, like Joe Perry, you know, like all the same guys that that. That uh, you know, I came up looking at too, and, and wanting to, to emulate and be like, and so now, as you know, you get you know four albums in, and you decide that you know oh, I'm going to let some of those influences that were in me at the very beginning bubble up again. I mean, that's not selling out. That's just doing what you always knew how like, to I, do. I, I'd, what I the question I'd love to love to have answered with all with the people out there. Who, who fucking hate this album mm-hmm. because the band fucking were dead to me. You know. What did they want them to do? Yeah. You can you can slam this album all you want and you've and people have done it for years. Oh yeah. What did you want what album did you want them to make right. after did you want Justice Two and then Justice Three and Justice Four? Is that is that what you wanted? I I I, I think so. I, I I absolutely think so. Yeah. Okay. Because the only band, the, uh, I'm talking about the big four now, the only band who's more or less stayed true and never really changed is Slayer. Yes. And they achieved 
a certain level of, of success mm-hmm. and stayed there. Right. And and that's a great example, too. I, I Yeah, that is a really, really, really good example. And they had Rick Rubin. They had they wrote their own songs. Right. But it's also the reason that I'm, like, glomming onto that as a, an incredibly good example is they also have that fan base that's basically fucking Slayer. Nothing else. That's it. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Loyal. No band wants to come Loyal. on after them, like so it. So that that's why I say that. And is, I love Slayer. That Don't is the perfect wrong. example, them. right? Is that um, nothing else is is any good? Period. End of story. And the closest you get to that is going to be the other band that's massive that never changed their sound at all, really. And it's ACDC. Same kind of tempo. You know, um, and okay, so why didn't the, you know, Back in Black get the same kind of flack where it was now more commercialized than Hell's, than Highway to Hell was? You know, when they brought in, you know, uh, kind of a glossy producer and all that, it's because, well, those guys, they were always writing those kind of songs. They just displayed their roots and they just kind of made it a little more radio friendly. But, you know, they've got this big fan base as well. It's just, they're just not rabid because they're like, well, you know what, yeah, ACDC is the best, but hey, you know what? I also like Van Halen, and I like this, and I like that. But yes, I mean, that's a great example. Slayer is so, absolutely rabid on their fan base. So this album, Out the Gate, yeah, smash, right? Yeah. They go out and tour with Guns N' Roses and Fate No More and... You yeah, know, toured what, forever. Yeah, stadium, whatever, right? Yeah. And I saw the tour, but when you look at some of the other, what people consider trash bands... They all fucking paid attention to this. Now, I'm going to name three albums, right? Uh-huh. The first one I'm going to mention is Countdown. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Countdown to Extinction has 12 songs on it, and yep. all the songs are four to five minutes long. Yep. And it has ballads on it. Yep. Right? I don't think that gets shit on. No. Right. The second album I'm going to mention is Testaments to Ritual. <laughs> Which is what I was thinking about when I talked about the label coming down. Yes. Right? Yeah. Now, that, that album is not as trashy. Nope. It sounds amazing, uh-huh. and it's really, really heavy. Uh-huh. It's slower yeah. in tempo, right? Yep. And, of course, Skolnick, I've read Skolnick's book. Yeah, great book. And it is a great book. And he gets the blame for that record. And I actually said it to him in an interview, and I said, I think one of the reasons you get blamed for that, and I, and I said it to him, I said, a picture says a thousand words. When... When Practice What You Preach was released, you were pictured on the inside of that album with an acoustic guitar sitting in front of a piano. So the minute their ch- sound changed, they looked at your picture and said, you changed that. You mm. you did it. Yeah. You're the catalyst for all of that. Right? Now, I don't think he was. But right. Yeah. And the other album I'm going to talk about is I Hear Black from, uh-huh. from Overkill. Yeah. If you listen to that record, it's heavier. It's more groovy. Slowed down. Yeah. All these other bands, listen to what Metallica were doing. They're in, this is their livelihood. It's yeah. a business. Yeah. It's like, we have to do this to survive. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not, and I'm not saying that they were forced into doing it. They paid attention. Right. To what I, this I think some did. of it maybe is, is, is everything you said, but it's also, oh, well, they had enough balls to do that and kind of display a different side of what they do. I guess it's okay for us too, as well. You know what I mean? Like somebody had to have the balls to open the door up and do that. And whatever reason it was Metallica that did it. And so other bands felt like, okay, well, good. It worked. It, it, it's okay. They still got a good fan base. They're still making a good living. I guess we can, we can do this as well. Hmm. And, and, you know, just, you know, coming from being in bands and writing, you know, my own songs, I just, I would think too that, because, you know, I would, I would write and I'd be all over the place for what I was, what I was writing. I never had to be pigeonholed into, you're going to write only this kind of song at these kind of tempos and with these kind of subjects. I would have been incredibly frustrated if I had to. It was kind of whatever I felt like doing, you know, and, and I just, yeah, I, I would, I would imagine that it would have been just, incredibly hard for them to again what are you doing after justice okay we get it well, now we, in order to just be status quo we have to rehash some variation of that again 
and we have to just do all of this down picking, fast right hand type stuff. And, you know, and I think that for people that are, that are growing, that's got to be frustrating. And the fact that they were able to, to do this album hobbled by the fact that Lars is kind of a shitty drummer. And I think that, you know, if you look at how all the other albums come up and it pretty much is, it fits Lars's kind of limited drumming vocabulary he had at the time because he doesn't do roles. It's pretty much just... Well, he, he tried to be, you know... He tried to be as as technical as he could be on Justice. Right. Because the songs warranted that. Yeah. And then when they did the Black Album, it was Phil Rudd. Yeah. That he needed to emulate. Yeah. And but he, then had you, tr- he had trouble doing that. But then when he you look... It. So some of the outtakes from the doc, there's a lot of stuff with Lars trying to get drum parts down and just not being able to do you'd it. You'd think, you'd think an album like that would be easier, wouldn't you? I'm not a drummer, but you'd think to play no, simple? No, because... you have to be in the pocket? The secret with drummers is you've got drummers that play ahead of the groove. You've got drummers that play behind the groove. Lars was always right with James's right hand. So it was always, you know... If you listen, he doesn't, you know, he didn't do rolls and things. It was always just right with the right hand. A lot hand. of cymbal hitting. Lots of cymbal yeah. hitting. Yeah, and, and, and you allowed, and so then Cliff carried all of that other rhythmic glue that was happening. It was, it's a, it's a unique blend of, of how that happened, and it's kind of flipped it on its head. And, but when you're doing things that are fast like that, and I'm not talking Gene Hoagland fast, that's a different type of technique entirely but for for you know for what they were doing initially with that thrash and all of a sudden he's got to do this more slow tempo stuff and yeah it's hard to play like phil rudd because you have to yeah either yeah you're either ahead or you're behind the beat and, and if you you're, have to know when not to play you do you have to know that as well you but have, it's, you have a space there i gotta hit something uh-huh. not necessarily and the bitch is when to come back in and being able to so that if you were already behind the beat when you come back in, you gotta. You can't come in on the beat. You have to also come in behind the beat. It's not easy. And if the people like Phil or Charlie Watts or even Ringo Starr that do this kind of what people think of as, oh, that's simple, they make it look simple. Do you think Kirk Hammett was a passenger back then that it was the James and Lara show? And Oh, yeah. You think, I absolutely you believe so? that. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. Okay. Yeah, I think he was... Um, he co-wrote some songs on it, though. He did, um, but I think that he was still more okay. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna record the, our songs. You're gonna get to contribute to them and show up for solos, please. And I'll cover all the rhythms and we'll call it a day, kind of thing. I think, yeah, I, I think he still, I think he still was. Um, and I saw, um, geez, it must have been. A month, month and a half ago now, I, I watched an interview that they did for uh, Apple TV. And, um, you know, they even talked a little bit about that and, you know, who's, you know, how everyone's place was for the album and stuff like that. Um, gave a lot of nice things they said about about Jason as well. But, um, yeah, it, I think it was clear that even when they're talking that it's, you know, it's pretty much it's it's James and Lars. And then... Occasionally you have Kirk, but then you James also have... James and Lars fighting Bob Rock. James and Lars fighting Bob Rock. Yeah, yeah, you know. Et cetera, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's... it's Every day. It's it's an interesting band dynamic, so, yeah. I'm amazed they actually put that documentary out. Um, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, some kind of monster, you find out a lot more about their relationship. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, then... That's then depressing as hell. and a half, but... With a year and a half, it, it's three hours of this is the album, this is us making it, this yeah. is us going out on tour, um, and everything wasn't rosy. No, um, and it was never the same again for for them, for probably a lot of the bands that came up with them, um, because it, I've already said it, a lot of the bands that came up with them, the the, the scene was changing. Mm-hmm. This is this is the album. That broke Metallica re- really broke them. Yeah, um, I, there was pressure on the other bands. This is what you got to do. You got to change your sound to what's 
around at the time. Plus, you got to change your sound to sound a bit more like, like the Black Album. For some, it worked to a certain degree. I'm, I'm sure, if, you know, Mustaine at the time probably thought, right, I've written Countdown to Extinction. Now it's a, it's a, and, and and again, that is one fucking amazing record. But mm-hmm. he probably thought that was going to go eight or nine times platinum because. Yeah. With him, he is such a big ego, and he's a great songwriter. It was, I've written all these great songs, and it worked for Metallica. I was in Metallica, and you know, I'm going to sell a shitload of albums, and I right. think it only went double platinum. Yeah, and then you're right. I'm, I that's a fantastic album. I freaking love that album. You bought that about six different forms. Oh, yeah, I, I love that album. <laughs> I love that. that album's got a lot of memories for me too. Of just like you know, my oldest daughter just literally head banging. In the back seat, in her car seat, to that album. She was, she was only an infant. She I saw loved that, that album. I saw that tour. I'll never forget it. And Pantera opened. Mm. And Pantera and blew. And I'm I'm not kidding. They fucking blew Megadeth off the stage that night. Vulgar had just come out. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. So you had Mustaine and the guys. They put on a professional show. Yeah, Pantera put on a fucking show, a, a real fucking seat of your pants, fucking yeah. metal aggressive show. Yeah, the Megadeth show was, it was all choreographed and polished and yeah. well played and right. The the advantage too that we're going on a tangent and here. obviously I, anyway. I'm freaking love Pantera as well. Um, is um, I mean, platinum. Pantera albums up on the wall um, is that <laughs> they can do that too because their songs were all about the groove and it's all and when you to have grooves you got to have interplay and interplay leads itself to being able to if you're tight enough to do that you can do whatever the hell you want any damn night and still be able to come back into the song and they were all good enough to be able to do that mm-hmm. so of course you can put on one hell of a show if you do that because you're you're just in that groove and you and you have to play against each other. How did you see the Black Album tour? Yeah, I did in Dublin. Right? How choreographed do you think Metallica shows were then? I still don't think they were that choreographed. Beyond you know needing to be away from this flash pod at this spot and stuff like that. <laughs> made a few mistakes there yeah a couple (laughs) james got burned yeah (laughs) but uh you know i don't think they were that choreographed because i don't i still think that they weren't ready to to do that you still think there was a little bit of improvisation uh, no so changing around the set list kind of so no that that part of it i i i by that part no i think that they were at that point yeah getting more into we're going to play the song. We have to play it this way. The show's going to be this long. Like, well, yeah, they were two and a half hour shows. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember the show in the point, and I think it held about. I think the point at the time held about seven or eight thousand people, and it was in. It was in the round. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle, and they had a movie, which was about half an hour, which was different because no other band had done that. They'd all had the opening bands. Mm. Um. And then Metallica came out and played for two and a half hours. And uh, it was an amazing show. Um, but I think when you look at them now, they've, they change around the set list a lot more now. They do. Than they, uh, maybe yeah. that's because obviously they have more material. Mm-hmm. But back then, maybe they, was, they were kind of, you know, limited in what they could play and how long they could play for, and yeah. Well, I think also too is that around. What's, that you know, what's interesting on this is that they're now they're a little bit more varied too, and I think that they, I think now time, obviously from the comments hasn't healed everybody about this album, but. There were enough of the old Metallica fans, you know, that are coming to the shows that, okay, we can go and play a a track off of Ride that we never play. And there's going to be enough people here to be like, fuck yeah, and and do that. And yeah, there's going to be some of the new people that are going to leave and go get a beer or something like that because they don't know. But typically for I, I still see that, you know, when they play that the heavier songs, the faster songs 
people stay. They're rooted in place. I see more people, you know, head for the stalls when they're playing the slow song. Um, and I think that they had to gauge that that audience. And I'm sure they had a lot of management kind of input in that, too, of, you know, folks like Cliff Burton telling them, well, uh, Cliff Burton, uh, Cliff Bernstein telling them, yeah, why don't you, you know, let's let's move it towards some more of this and less of this and to, uh, at least for that initial tour. But and, and now they just kind of do whatever the hell they want. If the band had decided that they weren't going to do videos mm. for the singles. And I know they did, they did the first video they did was for one, but mm-hmm. before that they'd never done a video. Yeah, and, and one do, was freaking yeah. stark. Do you think if they hadn't have done videos, just say they did one for Enter Sandman, and then they decided not to do any more, but they released singles, do you think the backlash would have been as bad? Do you no. think that you don't? No, I don't think so. Okay, you think that they were just exposing themselves, they were MTV darlings now. Um, oh, there was the video, definitely a lot, a lot of, of that. The video, uh, when, yeah. you look, when you look at their videos, some of them, a lot of them are very similar to what the other bands were doing. Not all of them. Yeah, because they're using the same the same kind of, you know, like On the set. Wayne Isham kind of guys. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, don't, I, I think that, yeah, maybe if, or if they did videos, but those videos... One, they're not as they weren't as glossy as what they did. And two, they were done only played like during Headbangers Ball. Yeah, but that like, was never going to happen because the album was too no. Big. I know, but I'm saying that when you talk about would there be a been as much backlash? So if they were, you know, because you know you didn't you didn't get a Testament video normal time on MTV. You got a Testament video on Headbangers Ball, and that's about it. And so I think if yeah, if some of these were more pushed to that as well. Yeah, there probably would have been more acceptance about it, too. And obviously, I think if, if it had sold shit, all the people that say it's a piece of crap would all love it. Any singles were on it? Five? You'd enter Sandman, Sabbath uh, You know what? I wrote them down. Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters, and... So Sandman... Um, five, I think. I think you're right. I think it's five. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sandman, Unforgiven, Nothing Else, Wherever, and Sad But True. And they did, they released Tread On Me to radio, but it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, it's probably the worst song on it. I like that song. Do you? <laughs> there's, there's, some, there's, some, there's certain songs on this album I love. I love My Friend of Misery. It's actually the songs that aren't the singles. You're, you're right. It, I, but that to me is like every single album. It's like you put on Led Zeppelin 4 and your favorite songs aren't, they're all the ones that, that are not called Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, because you're just sick of hearing fucking Stairway to Heaven. Right. I think the Black Album is the same. Is the same with me. Yeah. I've heard Enter Sandman a million times. Yeah. I actually still love Sabbath True. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the Wolf and Man and yeah. those kind of songs. I'll gravitate more towards them. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll we'll just finish up here. Where would you rank that album in their catalog? Um, it it isn't my top. Um, I think Master is still probably my favorite. Uh, then it's probably, actually after that, it's Ride. Um, partly because I played Ride a lot when I was on the radio. Um, mostly because I really, really liked it, but also because it really pissed the program director director off every time I played anything off of Ride the Lightning because <laughs> he was like hardcore punk guy. So I would aggravate the shit out of him and have to play Ride the Lightning all the time. Good. Um, and then I think this slots in more at, at like number three for me. The Black Album? Yeah. You put it ahead of Master? No, no, Master's my top. Oh, your Master's your top. Master, then Ride, then, ride, the, Black Album. then the Black Album. Okay. Yeah, so where would I put it? And then it's probably, um, and then I think after that, I really like Hardwired. Okay. And then after that, it's probably Kill 'Em All. You've ninety nine percent of people listening. Oh, for fuck's sake! Fucking hell! How the fuck can you pick that ahead of that? Because we all have our own our own musical backgrounds. Yeah. Just as long as you don't have Saint Anger number one. <laughs> no. Well, some people love that. So hey, good. Oh uh, no, trash can drums that kills me. I know. Um, but the other part is, is that, yeah, and 
I can't remember if it's a bonus disc. I, I haven't. I, this is how long it's been since I've listened to Saint Anger, and I can't remember if it's a bonus disc that it came with, or if it was part of some kind of monster. But oh, when they played it live, must sound so much better. Oh, yeah. It came with it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. If the album had been that, I yeah. would have liked it more. No, definitely. The I live think, part think of it of looked way uh, was way better. I think a lot of people agree with that. Then again, a lot of the stuff from Load and Reload sounds way better live than it does on on those albums. I, the Black Album for me is somewhere in the middle. It's not my favorite. Um, it's definitely not my least favorite. Um, and I think one of the reasons I don't play it a lot is it's so overplayed. Sure is, yeah. Um, was it a big influence on me? 1991, I got into metal around 86. Mm. So no. no. Um, huge influence on a lot of other people with it, some of the comments. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people think it's the best album ever. I think one thing we often touched on that was in the comments. Um, I think that's this this album was a gateway album for a lot of people to get not only into Metallica mm-hmm. but I think to get into metal. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Um, I, yeah. I definitely think it was. Yeah, just like um, Bon Jovi. Just like uh, Screaming for Vengeance was as yeah, well. Yeah, or Bon Jovi when Slippery When Wet broke, then all yeah. the other, that, you yeah. know, it's like all the fucking boats rose, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. then all, the, you know, all MTV took attention of all of that. And then I think the same thing with Metallica. Yeah, it, that, it definitely uh, was. It was, it was funny that, um, you know, when this, this album came out and I can remember that, I can remember girls that like hated it and it, you know, like hated Guns N' Roses, like, like all, all of that. Then all of a sudden they were like, oh yeah, that, that album's really good. And oh yeah, and, oh, hey, do you got appetite? Can I, can I listen? Like, and, and it's like, this has been around for a while. Like all of a sudden now you like it. So yeah, I can definitely see this as being a, a, a gateway. You got the people that, tr- that truly decided to be like, oh yeah, I, I, I kind of like this shit. And, and then go down the rabbit hole that a lot of people do, which is, okay, well, where do they get that idea from? And, oh, okay, well, now I've discovered Deep Purple, and now I've yeah. discovered this band and exactly. that band, and, and, and then dig into the Nawabum rabbit hole that I go down and stuff, which is great. And then there's other people that just kind of like it for what it is, and, and you know. And that's the only metal album they own, and that's it. Yeah, true, yeah. And they only ever play one yeah. or two songs off it. Yeah. But, hey, they bought it. Yeah. You know, and the, the less said about Lars with his white leather jacket. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the Guns N' Roses Metallica tour? Did it play up here? Um, I have my production pass hanging up over there. Oh, you did go. Okay. No, I worked it. Oh, <laughs> Foxborough? So, yeah, I have my production pass hanging out in the hallway okay. there. Did Fate yeah. No More play? Or was it Metal Church? Was it Metal Church? No. Uh, I don't remember. It's been that long. Okay. I don't think Fate No More did the whole tour. It was... I don't know if Axl Rose did the whole tour either. <laughs> yeah, that whole, it was just that was that was a painful that, show. That 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 package didn't come across. Yeah. to Europe. Yeah, um, it was just Metallica, and then they announced this Guns N' Roses Metallica thing here. Yeah, you guys um, made out better with just Metallica. I think so. <laughs> really although, did. although I think Guns N' Roses were last on every night and I think one of the reasons Metallica decided to do that was because of Axel. Yeah. Um, God knows what time he would have come out on stage so they just said fuck it we're going on before him. Yeah. He can do what the fuck he wants. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Could be here all night but we should wrap this up. We should. All right. So that is the last show of uh, 2021. I was almost going to say 2020. <laughs> it's been that kind of year. Yep. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I know, I know. It, it's 2022, and we're still talking like a 2021. Just like suspend disbelief for like another minute, and then you can go right back to 2022 again. All right, um, just a good way to good way to end the year. Actually, get some discussion in, which is nice as well. Just to actually have you down in the studio, shoot the shit. Yep. Um, which is kind of what this show was originally all predicated on. So it's nice to actually end the year that way. Might be doing more that. with uh, great, you know, <laughs> great discussion. So uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's yeah, good way to do it. Yep. Roll on twenty twenty two. Yeehaw. All right. Well, 
that's it. There ain't no more stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself and... And me. Have a good new year. Yep. Be safe out there. And until next year, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Hey, as long as you're still uh, hanging out here, listening to the show, just a heads up that uh, we will probably be taking the next couple weeks off, doing our annual winter break, all that good stuff that, uh, yeah, usually we try to do starting the first week of the year. But uh, for those of you listening, um, hey, thanks for a good 2021. Hoping to have a great 2022 See you again in a few weeks. And if you're missing us, then you definitely can catch up on episodes that you missed. Either head up to iTunes, you can head up to Amazon Music, or you can always head over to focusonmetalpod.com. So again, for Richie and myself, thanks for being uh, with us for another great year. We hope in the 2022 will be equally as good, and we'll be talking to you soon. You're still here? It's over. Go home.